Good morning, Ray. <laughs> Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm doing great. You gave me the uh, three, two, I one. Did. I did. I gave you the, the official... Man, we're getting real here. We're, we are all about... We are professionals. We're trained oh. professionals. Please, please do not try this at home. Right. Hey, do you think this comes on mic? I've got a little Velcro cable. I see right that. here. Yeah. That's... If I just sit here and play with this please, the whole time, that's probably going to show up on mic. Please stop All doing right, that. I'll put that down. Yeah. Maybe I need a fidget spinner. Are those popular still? No. Oh. Yeah, that's so 2012, man. So Come they on. say... Uh, I mean, this is so not, we may just cut this out, but maybe it'll be funny. So you have pins, right? And usually they come apart if you unscrew them. Right. Well, so you know the old thing like that younger people can hear higher frequencies than older people. So I was sitting in a meeting with a bunch of BDRs one time, twisting this cap on and off and on and off. And one of the cats finally like just slams his hands on the table. Would you please stop <laughs> I'm like, what? What's going on? He's like, I, do you not hear that squeaking? That squeaking every time you twist that. <laughs> All right. So uh, today we're on the banks of the beautiful Tennessee River, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. We are here today to discuss. We are going to talk about having a BDC. Having a BDC. Why have a BDC? Do you need a BDC? And how do you know if your BDC is actually helping your dealership? Man, I, th I think that third one is a huge one because a lot of dealers get one because their 20 group said it's a good idea or their manufacturer said it's a good idea. And then they don't really know what is it that they're supposed to be doing. Right. Are they effective at doing that? And, and third, is it doing anything to grow the dealership? Is it producing revenue? Is it producing growth? Is it even paying for itself? Yeah, that's a great point, yeah, too. I've, I've been to a lot of dealerships who are establishing a BDC, and they say, how do I even pay these people? And what kind of return am I going to get? And, you know, show me the ROI, because I, I don't believe in it, or I've never had one, and to me, it's just an expense. Why can't my salespeople do that? Right. Yeah. I, I was in a or dealership. Or service advisors, whatever. Yeah. I went to a dealership starting a BDC. They just hired a new executive manager. So they had three different dealerships. It was all under one dealer group. And the new executive manager sat down with me. Uh, he was brand new. It was his first week on the job. And he said, Ray, you know, before you get into all your you know, explanations of things, let me tell you, uh, I don't believe in a BDC. <laughs> I said, okay. Just, hey, just let know, me go ahead and get this out yeah, here. Let, I'm going to do everything I can to undermine you let's and talk. eliminate this. Absolutely. So. And he followed that with, we don't have to have a separate group of people who are doing that. Yeah. And I said, man, the only problem that I see is that Car dealerships have been doing that for the past 50 years. They're not getting the benefits that I can show you your dealership has already started getting or your group of dealerships has already started getting by implementing an actual BDC where you have trained professionals on the phone with scripts who understand the, the process and the goals of a phone call. Uh, so well, I think there's a key is a, a trained professional to do that and specialize in that. Right. Because, I mean, you're asking a salesman to be an expert on the product, an expert on closing a deal, an expert on follow-up with customers and referrals, and then to be an expert on the phone as well, and an expert to answer internet leads. 
uh, it's just it's too broad a spectrum. And not only that, even if you could find those people who could do all of those things, you would have to have you know three times the number of salespeople. Yeah, how can it, they do that effectively with, it, with all the hours in the day? Every you know? inbound call and make a series of outbound calls, knowing that the average length of time with a customer is going to be at least two hours if right. they're doing an effective job of product demonstration and and uh, walk-arounds and test drives and the like. So, yeah, it just doesn't make logistical sense. And then you look at the service side, and to me, that's the easiest conversation to have with any dealer who doesn't have a service BDC to say, who takes your inbound phone calls? Well, my service advisors. Who handles the people on the lane? My service advisors. When's the busiest time on the phone? First thing in the morning or late in the afternoon. When's the busiest time on the lane? First thing in the morning, late afternoon. Okay, how do you expect one person? How many people can one person effectively communicate with at one time? One. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just the math doesn't work. Yeah, we've been over this, I mean, a, a couple of times. But, yeah, the, the advisor... You know, as we've said, either he's helping the person on the phone and the person standing in front of him is like, well, that's rude. Why don't you help me? I'm here. Or if he's helping the person in front of him, the phone's ringing off the hook and the person, the customer is saying, well, that's why nobody ever answers my call. Yeah, you son of a bitches. (laughs) You know, don't you hear the phone ring? Because I hear it ringing. It's bothering me. It's high pitched. I'm a young guy and I can hear that twang. So, yeah, it's. it's, uh, Well, not to mention, who is going to manage the people doing that? I mean, are you going to ask your sales manager on top of all he's already doing to also look at, uh, listen to call? Uh, recordings and and be there and, and, and ready for a to at right. any time and and to look at all these stats and numbers and understand number one what he's looking at and two know uh, you know how to manage those numbers which and that goes back to you and I've coached in BDCs we understand I mean we could look at a spreadsheet of how many calls we're making and, and yada 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 and we could go okay I can see from these numbers that you're your activity is good, but your technique is off. Right. Or I can look at these numbers and see that the BDC is getting people in the door, but they're not doing a proper TO to the sales team when they get here. Yeah. You know, we could look at these spreadsheets and just know, you know, with 90% accuracy where we can improve easily. Right. And I would have that conversation with dealers because they would say, okay, so we've got the BDC in place and we're tracking all these numbers. What are we doing with it? And I said, if I see that your call volume is good and you know your contact ratios are where I would expect them to be, but your appointment rate is low, that's great news to me because I know what the problem is and I know what the solution is. Right. I can coach to that. I can fix it. Right Now I know where the problem is and what I need to focus my attention on and coach the BDM, the business development manager, on how are you going to continue to to operate in your role to increase this number and coach your team effectively. Well, I think we should, that brings up two ideas that we should cover, and maybe in this episode or not. Let's kind of run through those five KPIs and kind of tell what you and I would look to to see in those, and then if they're below average or below expectations, or what is the probable reason for that? Okay, I like it. So when we're talking about call volume, right? I was in a BDC and doing a training with the whole group of uh, business development reps, BDRs, and the people actually on the phone. Well, well, do you wanna, are you gonna dive into the KPIs? Yeah. Well, then let's list out what those are oh, before yeah. we dive All into right. the first right. one. Yeah. So the five that we're looking at are call volume, contact ratio, appointment set, show ratio, and then sold. Right. So these are the five things. And 
if any one of these is lacking and the others are okay, we have a pretty good idea of what causes any of those five things to be underperforming. Absolutely. And and I I believe that they are uh, they work off of each other. So if all of your numbers look terrible, well, first thing we need to do is start with call ratio, right? How call, many call times volume? Are, call yeah. volume, right? How many times are you picking up the phone? Right. right, and and so it, until we get that solid number, then you know it's really no point in worrying about contact ratio. If we're if our contact ratio is fifty percent, but it's fifty percent of ten calls a day, that means we're really only contacting, getting a hold of five people. So all the other numbers are in flux. Yeah. Or, or well, see, I, I wouldn't problems. necessarily agree. I mean, I, I know this is going to sound crazy to you and, and probably some of our listeners that are educated in BDCs. But I've been in dealerships where they're making 30, 40 calls a day per rep, and that wasn't the first thing I attacked. You know, I thought, okay, if, if you're only going to call this number of people, let, let's make those calls really effective and give you confidence, you know, that this is a good idea to make these calls and confidence that you're saying the right thing and going to get agreement. Yeah. And then we can start ramping up that activity. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I, I guess it goes back to one of the things I know – you focus on quite a bit, which is until they know that they can be effective, yeah. they're always going to be hesitant to do the activity, right? Unless they understand yeah. the value of the activity, then that's going to dissuade people from wanting to do that activity that yeah, they I don't guess, feel you know, is I'm an kinda, effective activity. Yeah, I'm kind of crazy that way. Is that I, I want people to be jacked up and excited about the activity I'm asking them to do. Yeah, maybe that's not always feasible, but it's a goal of mine. Yeah, and and I I I guess we do disagree in in the fact that I would want to have a volume of activity. Because I think it's too easy for them to slip in that other mentality of I made twenty calls and I only talked to you know three people. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just think sometimes the the volume will create a, a narrative that is not actual. Because you know, I mean, if, I think once you reduce that number mm-hmm. so much, um, you're, you're just saying that uh, there's not enough data. To show you any true trends. Right. Because one day you can be at you're, a 90% contact ratio, and the next day you're at a 2% contact ratio, and you're like, well, God, right. you know. Uh, Your sample size is right. too small. you got to have right. a, a sample size large enough to be able to say, okay, here's where things are going uh, based on right. real Like, like saying a... a a basketball team or a boxer is three and zero. Right. Well, it's too early to tell if they're you know. Oh yeah. Going to be twenty five and zero. Well, right. If you look and go to the five, three, and one. If I talk to five people, I'm going to write up three and I'm going to sell one. Well, if you talk to two and go, well, I didn't write up either one of those. <laughs> right. right. So right. where's where's my my breakdown? So do you want to dive into call volume? And, and I mean, we kind of touched on what the hesitancies there are. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously. One of the biggest things for me is calling the right people. Again, going back to wanting people to be excited about the activity I'm asking them to do. If I just print off a list of uh, 500 owners that bought three years ago, and so here's 500 people that bought a car three years ago, call all them and see if any of them are interested. Right. Well, that's that's a whole lot harder to get through with the limited success you're going to have than saying, here's 50 people who have been here in the last two weeks, call them and see, you know, have they bought, how was their experience at the dealership? What could we have done differently? Or, you know, are they still in the market? So 
and I think you touched on a great point there is that you don't want to have a solid day of all one type of call, right? Just like you need the volume of calls in order to see what the true rates are across the board. You also need a variety variety of types of calls that you're making and taking to see kind of what the, what flushes out. Okay. Okay. But ultimately just from a pure activity standpoint, right? If you just take all orphan clients and that's the only thing we're going to call and we're going to do outbound calls to orphan clients. Um, you know, I'm doing this, I, as I started to, to talk about before this training for a group of new BDRs. And I had one girl who looked like she was about to go into tears. And so kind of pulled her aside and said, Hey, you know, what's going on? You look like, you know, you're not okay with this. And she said, well, if I have to make a hundred calls a day in order to be successful, she said, I might as well quit now because that's just too much. I just can't imagine that level of activity, and I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. And it was just a daunting number to her. How did right? you approach that? And I said, all right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's make some calls, right? And we're going to start a clock, and we're going to, make, we're going to take an hour. I'm going to sit here with you, and we're going to make some calls. And let's just see how it goes, okay? Mm-hmm. So we sit down, and we start making these calls. And the only thing I did, John was I said, okay, who are we going to call next? That's the only thing I did, right? I didn't take a TO. I didn't, you know, anything. I just said, okay, who are we going to call next? Yeah. And she'd tell me the next person. i say, okay, you know what you're going to say? And she'd say, yeah. And I'd say, okay, let's, let's go ahead. Let's make the call. And we did that for a solid hour. And we did, you know. I bet you made 25 calls that hour. I think she made uh, 10 calls over that hour. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So over that period of time, there was kind of a group discussion, you know, kind of everybody was, you know, in between calls and they were talking about some concert that was coming in. And, and then at one point she said, well, I have to go to the bathroom. Is that okay? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. You gotta go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Right. No pressure. No, you know, I tried to make it as easy on her as possible. Yeah. At the end of the hour, when the alarm went off, I said, okay, how many calls do you make? And she said, well, you know, uh, no, she had made 12 calls. Okay. Right. So she had made 12 calls. And I said, okay, 12 calls, right, times, you know, eight hours in a day that you're working is... 96? What? 96 <laughs> calls. And I said, so you're four away from making the 100 calls. Was that difficult? And she started laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? And she said, well, I knew what you were doing. So I was intentionally Trying going go slow. slow because I didn't want to <laughs> prove your point. She said, I could have made the extra call. <laughs> right yeah. in in order yeah. to, to equal to be over a hundred right yeah. so it, and all of a sudden you could see that she was much more relieved now to realize that even when she's pushing back and right. intentionally being a little right. slow that a hundred calls is not the I think the number sometimes freaks people out and then you yeah. get those BDRs who come out of a <clears throat> let's say you know from a Verizon call center or somewhere else. And you they're tell making them two hundred a day. Well, yeah, yeah, two fifty a day is their average, and yeah. they're going hundred calls. Well, what am I going to do the rest of my day? <laughs> well, hey, along those lines, I used—I know this is kind of crazy thinking, but you know, again, trying to get that buy-in and trying to get that um, excitement, I would say. Uh, you know, going to BDCs with veterans. You know, they had been doing right. this for years. Uh, and some newbies, and I would say, look, if you get your 12 calls an hour so I can get 100 a day, I don't care how long it takes you, whether it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes, and then you can goof off the rest of that hour. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, j- just 
you don't you don't have to do a call every five minutes. Right. You know, do do ten calls in fifteen minutes, and, yeah. and then I don't care what you do. And then yeah, coast. <laughs> yeah. Right. But search Facebook for a while. Chat with your buddies. Now I don't know. That, that I don't know a lot of dealers right now is going to be well received. Yeah. Like, no, if they can do twenty calls, yeah. do the damn twenty calls. Exactly. Right? And yeah, we, but again, we trying want. to build rapport and and get some buy in from the team, they were like, well, "Who is this trainer? What you know? What he's telling me? I can goof off for a half hour every hour." Absolutely. <laughs> I like this guy. I think I'm going to give him a shot. Yeah. Or do you think that'll work? I love that, uh, yeah. you know, that response to people. So, so we've talked about call volume, uh, contact ratio. We typically see thirty percent, um, which you know would be uh, thirty calls out of a hundred. And contact ratio includes or is contingent on even people calling back. Yeah. So I would always coach that about half of that thirty a day is going to come from people that answer. Right. And the other half is going to come from people that call back. They call back. Now, we could get into, uh, you know, what kind of message to leave or are messages even effective. I know there's some data out there on the Internet right now saying I'm more effective and can make more outbound calls when I don't leave a message. You know, then I could make 20 calls an hour instead of 12 and I get more answers. Right. And I well, get callbacks. And I've, I've dealt with those dealers who also say... I'm sick of my receptionist getting calls from people who say, well, who is this? Because nobody left a message. Yeah. And they're they're pissed. Yeah. So I feel like we need to leave a message. And if we're leaving an effective message, I think that's a great way to impact. We can't control who's going to pick up the phone. And let's let's talk about the message for a second here, saying that the purpose of the message is not to inform. The purpose of the message is to get someone to pick up the phone and call you back. Right. Okay. So we agree on that at least. We do. Okay. Yeah. They were finding common ground already. I, right? already. This we've is we've great. wanted 30 of these podcasts. And yeah, and the first time we've ever agreed. <laughs> so in doing that, right, it's, you know, hey, I mean, it, it depends on what the purpose is of the call, right? I mean, you know, I think a, a go to standard is I've got great news. Hey, Mr. Customer, I've got great news. Please give me a call back as soon as you get this. My number is just simple, easy. I think people always want to hear what is your great news. Uh, it's an opportunity to to engage with the customer um, on a positive note. Hey, so and so called me. He said great news, right? And then obviously the the caveat to that is. Have great news have to share with them. great news, yeah. yeah. So they call you back. Hey, you left me a message saying you have great news. What's going on? Yeah, I just want to see if you want to buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to buy a car today? Well, no. another great effective message that I've left is if you know that their current vehicle, whether it's a service lead or a sales lead, uh, you know, hey, this is John Higgins from ABC Dealership. I have some information about your 2018 Tahoe. If you would, please give me a call back just as soon as you get this message. Now, uh, understandably, I'm kind of implying there may be an issue, either a recall or something I need to make you aware of on your current vehicle. Uh, so I might get a call back. Hey, I, you know, this is uh, Dave. Yeah, I got your message about car. the Tahoe. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, oh, man, we've been looking for Tahoes. I'm just curious. Are you in the market for a new vehicle yeah. where we could buy yours? Right. You know. Or would you at least consider if we could give you top dollar on it, yeah. giving us an opportunity it, to buy it from you? Hey, if I could get your car in my inventory and trade you up to a brand new Tahoe at the same payment, is that something that you'd at least consider? Right. So 
appointments. We've we've talked about this on the inbound sales call and on some other call episodes about we want to drive traffic to the showroom. Right. And the way we do that is by building value in the customer's mind of getting off the couch and into the showroom. Right. So so the appointment ratio, uh, we could get dive into technique for an hour. Uh, and, and yes, we've talked about we're going to do a specific episode on overcoming objections. Right. But ultimately, that's appointment ratio in a nutshell. Right. They have an objection as to why... They don't want to come into the dealership. Mm-hmm. We need to have a, a good, solid reason to overcome whatever objection they may have as to why they don't want to come into the dealership. I, I don't have the time. I'm too far away. Too far away. Can't we just do this over the phone? Yeah. Can you email me some information I'll consider? Can't you just tell me what you have on the line? Right. How much will you give me for mine? I mean, you called me. Right. 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 So... As long as we are prepared, and I think that is where that's where most of the training falls for a BDR. Right. That you know a TO is effective. Good coaching from a business development manager is effective. Coaching from people like us who come mm-hmm. in and work with dealerships. You know, you're only going to get a finite number of objections. It's not an endless number of objections. They all fall well, they, into one of a few, fall into a few categories. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you know, there are going to be nuances to it that are specific to that, that uh, customer. But ultimately, it's really being able to handle one of price payment, down payment, trade value, selection. Well, yeah, I would say time, money, or the metal. Right. right? So let's not discount the, um, the need for the sales management team or the service management team to be on board with this whole initiative. Absolutely. Uh, we don't have to get too sidetracked here, but in some smaller instances that we may not have a BDM, uh, you know, maybe the salespeople are making these calls, right. which, you know, that, that happens. Sure. And the sales manager might be listening to this saying, all right, how can I more effectively manage the people making these calls? Or if I do have a BDC, how can I be more informed about what they're doing every day? How can I support them or how can they benefit me? Yeah. So that sales manager and service manager buy-in is important. And I think that comes down to communication. Whether you're having a daily meeting, which I hope you know that would be ideal, or at least a weekly meeting, um, Maybe on Saturday mornings. <laughs> like a Saturday morning sales meeting? Right. Well, I'm thinking more like a management meeting where, you know, you're talking about what's going on in F&I. You're talking about what's going on in service. What vehicles are we getting in? How's the reconditioning process going? But then a part of that should be what is the BDC bringing to the dealership? You know, is it effective? Is it cost effective? And that comes down to sharing those types of numbers. You know, hey, last week we averaged 77 calls a day, and then this week we're averaging 81 calls a day. So we're moving in the right direction. Or, you know, last week we had 27 appointments, and this week we've got 34, and it's only Thursday. Oh, yeah. So we're getting better. You know? Well, and uh, the most effective dealerships in implementing a BDC strategy are those who are bought into incorporating it and into their overall processes. If it's not one component of your total process, if you just think you're going to stick them in a corner and go make calls <laughs> right. and bring more people in the dealership, and you're automatic, not going to automatically more people walk in the door. Try to capture all those opportunities as effectively as you're working to 
convert walk-ins, as you're working to convert phone ups, as you're working to convert internet leads, if you're not truly working within that as part of the overall encompassing dealership approach, I mean, I hesitate to say, but gosh, why bother? Yeah, and you're not going to get the full benefit. Yeah, you're going to miss out on the on the opportunity. And I think that comes down to, shoot, I think you should have a sales manager a couple times a day stopping in the BDC or walking over to the BDC and saying, how's it going? How, who have you talked to, right? Do we have any appointments? If not, have you talked to anybody who was on the fence, they just wouldn't make the appointment? And what were some of the issues that why they wouldn't make the appointment with you? I think what you are leading to there is uh, – what can I do to help? Right. Right. I think in some of the best dealerships I've been in that have BDCs, I did have either a GM, GSM, or even a sales manager just kind of stroll through the BDC, even to share good news. Hey, who appointed Mark Jones? Man, that guy's out there in finance right now doing a deal. Thank you so much. What did you do on that guy that, you know, oh, yeah. what worked? Yeah. Uh, you know, some doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. encouraging. Uh, instead of walking through, yeah, hey, I see you only got 50 calls so far today. How yeah. you going to get up to 100? You know, yeah. I walked in here and three of y'all are on the phone. <laughs> I thought this was a PDC. <laughs> I thought this was a phone room. Right. That's a great way to get them to, when they see you coming, pick up the phone and hold to their face. <laughs> it's not necessarily an effective way to get them to make more calls. Uh, so, well, so, and, and, and I would say as... On top of that, another element is make sure your your BDRs, your business development reps, are informed as much as your salespeople are as to what the monthly specials are. Right? What kind of what vehicles are we discounting this month? What are the current rebates and incentives? What are is it truck month? I mean, I've been in BDCs where the people in the BDC had no idea what the rest of the dealership was doing to promote the dealership outside the four walls. And this is a little bit of a gray area, but even sharing some excitement over some new vehicles coming in. You know, hey, we're finally getting in that, you know, loaded up Tahoe to the max, the most expensive one you can get. Man, it's cool. Y'all ought to check it out. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, hey, we just had, uh, just traded for a, a, a Z01 com, uh, Corvette. You know, y'all ought to get out there and check it out. Well, then they use that on the phone the next time they get a Corvette customer. Man, my sales manager just told me about a brand new one we got in. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just creating some excitement and some encouragement. Well, along the lines of sales managers, uh, let's segue into the show and sold ratios. Okay. So how would you say uh, a sales manager should be involved in the show ratio? I believe that making the appointment if you've got a true BDC who's making those appointments. Making the appointment for the manager builds value in the appointment and it increases the likelihood that the person is going to show up for the appointment. Right? If if my appointment is to just come in and work with a sales guy, well, I know if I've ever been to a dealership before, all I have to do is pull into the dealership and five of them are going to swarm my car. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, so uh, finding a salesperson won't be hard. It's not going to be a difficult task for me. However, it's rare that I will actually meet the manager, let alone work with the manager in yeah. any capacity. Yeah. And we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, I mean, working with the manager is literally a minute and a half 
you know, reverse TO, we call it, right? Where they're just passing them back to a salesperson, but they actually make that initial introduction and shake the hand and thank them for coming into the dealership and lay out, here's how the process is gonna happen. But by saying, hey, I'm gonna put you on my manager's calendar, it gives it a sense of, of importance yeah. to, to, that, uh, to that appointment. Yeah, let's see if I can take a shot at that manager TO right there, at the manager introduction. Uh, I know Cardone calls it an early manager introduction. Right. Some other people call it the reverse TO. Whatever the lingo is you want to use, it's the manager getting up and shaking the hand of the customer within you know, a couple of minutes of them showing up. Uh, so that might go something like, you know, hello, Mr. Jones. Uh, thank you so much for visiting. I, I understand you're here for our big promotion, big sale going right. on right now. Um, I saw you on my calendar. Yeah, yeah. So I understand that you're here to look at a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee. Is that right? Okay, great. We've got a great selection. Is there any special equipment you're looking for? Or, you know, uh, are you looking for something brand new? Or would you consider used? Does it need to be four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive? You know, just kind of... Uh, requalify the customer's needs let them talk about what they're looking for what excites them and then you say um, oh it sounds like we've got a great selection that's gonna suit your needs I'll tell you what I'm gonna have you work with Jim over here Jim's one of our top salesmen he's gonna take great care of you and show you all the options out there on the vehicles and take you for a test drive uh, when you get back of course I'll put all the numbers together and I'll be happy to go over that with you at that time now while you're doing that it may save us some time if I went ahead and got your trade appraised uh, you know, do you mind if I go ahead and work on that end of it? Yeah. And okay, great. Let me have your keys. Yeah. Wonderful. Here's Jim. Dehorse some, grab the keys, throw them up on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the extent of it. I don't, that may have taken me 20 seconds to get that out and not talk fast. You do. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's the extent of it. It is. It's not a difficult process. It shows value to the customer that they did actually have that appointment with the manager because they actually met the manager. I will tell you, you've heard the story before, but my mother who was shopping for a car and apparently she doesn't know what I do for a living because she didn't bother <laughs> to let me know she was in the market for a car. Well, she's one of those customers that wants to, she knows you care about her finding the perfect vehicle. Right. And she just wanted to t tell you about what she found. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is, uh, I love those customers. But so and so my mother was shopping for a car and after she bought her car let me know that she had had uh, bought the car and her neighbor told her well a great way to buy a car now is go online find one that you want and call them up and they'll schedule a time for you to come see it right? yeah well little did she know she was working with a bdr right so she calls the dealership they set her up an appointment and said hey this appointment's going to be with the manager Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how'd it go? Standard practice. Right, standard practice. And she said, everything was great. The car was there. They showed me the car. And I said, well, was there anything that you didn't like about the process? And she said, well, one thing kind of bothered me. Mm -hmm. And I said, what's that? She said, I never met the manager. Well, he was ordering vehicles, Ray. Right. He was right, doing right, an appraisal. Right. He can't so, meet every single customer. My, Come on. Right. So if, if I'm being facetious, I know you are. But well, if, my, just for my listeners, for my listeners, for your listeners, for my listeners. Yeah. Well, for my listeners, <laughs> they understood. That. Let me complete the the whole inter engagement here. Is if we're going to make the the statement that you have an appointment with the manager, then the manager needs to get his sorry ass up and go out there and shake the hand of the customer. Right. Now, they, now you don't endorse that all managers are sorry ass Velcro no, to the, the ones seat that, 
won't, the ones that won't get up and go meet okay. a customer who comes in, and especially if and you yeah. still love those guys, you just want to give them a swift I love kick everybody. in the tail. But you know, come on, guys, get up and go <laughs> meet go. the customer. We know. An appointed customer is 50% more likely to buy than somebody who just walks in off the street. Yeah. Well, how? what more valuable thing do you have in your dealership? What What thing could be taking up your time that's what's, more important? What's more important than a sale? Than getting, walking out there and taking a minute and a half of your time to, to shake the hand of somebody. Because here, my mother, she said, yeah, it kind of bothered her. But she had a great experience. It was a reputable car dealership. And, you know, one we'd work with different uh, other dealerships within the group. They do a fantastic job. Hopefully it was a one-off for them, but I couldn't. I couldn't help but think if she felt that way, who had a good experience and said, "I would definitely go back there. I would definitely do it again." Mm -hmm. Imagine the person who they weren't able to work a deal with, who had that nagging sense in their brain of, "You know what? They lied to me." Yeah, they started the relationship off. Right. So now they're going to walk away, going, "Well, you know, they lied to me to get me." I never met the manager. Yeah. You know, they tried to steal my trade. They, you know, didn't have the car they said they would. And, yeah. You know, screw those guys. So right. it, it just, I think it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to get an early win with a customer, but it's equally an opportunity to have, you know, start the thing off with a, with a loss. Well, well, this is the point that I kind of, out of respect for the, separation of departments you know the bdc's purpose in my mind you know this whole kind of big picture of a dealership Mm -hmm. i thought the bdc's purpose is to generate traffic in the showroom well then i thought the sales department is responsible for handling that traffic once they get there so i always pushed for that early manager introduction that handshake conversation but after uh, you know from that process on i i kind of would tell the bdc it's up to the sales department what happens after that. Yeah. Uh, so so there isn't much a BDC um, can do to affect the sold ratio versus the show ratio, but there are a few things. Yes. And what, I, what would some of those things be? I would say you want to set the customer up for, uh, you don't want to make unrealistic expectations for the customer, right? You, you, you want an uh, open-minded uh close to buying customer to come in. Right. You know, I don't want to, you know, make assurances. We're going to give you $5,000 over Kelly Blue Book. Right. Right. Because that's something that we, we're not going to be able to do in the dealership 90% of the time. So, or to say say that specific vehicle is here and, you know, it's available for you. Right. Uh, We, we want to get towards, we have a great availability of vehicles like you described. Right. So we want that customer showing up. Basically, what I would tell them is we want the customer to show up and go, hey, I hear you have five or six vehicles like I'm looking for. Could you show me those? Yeah. Now we're not, you know, if one of those five is sold, it's not a big deal. We got four more. Right. We want to make sure that that there's an awareness between the the desk team Mm -hmm. and the salesperson that, hey, this is the type of vehicle they're looking for. So they're not wasting that customer's right. time. Well, one of the ways I would handle that is an appointment sheet, whether that's in your CRM electronically. I know Venn Solutions, they would have an appointment, and then you could put notes for that specific appointment. Yeah. Well, we put in a little, looking for four-wheel drive, leather, uh, you know, SUV with right. third row. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, we're looking at, you know, stock number XY123. 
Um, but yeah, so CRM notes, we would even, and some dealers do a paper sheet for every appointment. Right. And, yeah. And give those. You don't have to have technology. Right. That's great, right? Yeah. Just write it down on a piece of paper. Mr. Jones at two o'clock. You know, this is being a bit of a slacker, but if they got that stack of appointment sheets on their desk and and the receptionist calls him, hey, I've got a Mark Jones out here looking for Larry, then Larry can look through there and go, oh, here's Mark Jones' sheet. Carry that sheet up to the front door. Hey, Mr. Jones, I'm Larry. Uh, I understand it says here you're looking for a new Jeep Grand Cherokee, right? Four-wheel drive, is that correct? Okay. Now, does it have to be leather? It says leather here. Would you consider cloth if the price was right? Yeah. You know, you can kind of work off it. He didn't have to prepare mentally for 15 minutes. No, right. No. Do, yeah. Grab the sheet and walk up there. Do a half hour research. Right. But have yeah. awareness as to what the guy's looking for. And if possible, even before he goes up to meet the customer, I mean, they can wait for a minute or two yeah. while he grabs a salesperson, hands them the sheet and says, hey, look at this. I'm about to get you a customer. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mr. Jones is here and he's ready to start looking. Right, and hopefully the salesperson is effective at their job, and they've done an inventory walk in the last two days. <laughs> right, right? right, they have some ideas to not just what's on the lot, but where it's located. Now, so, I've had some dealers want to pre-assign appointments to salespeople. Do you have feelings one way or the other about that? Um, I like that methodology, but I think it gets frustrating when you've got that, you know, it's that 50% show rate. Yeah, when you know, one guy's like, the last three of mine haven't showed yeah. up, and the last three of Jim's all bought. Right. How come you're giving me you're, the crap? Yeah, you're giving me the, the bad leads here. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, and so I think... I always uh, said, whoever ups them and brings them in. Because right. I, I thought, you know, hey, I was a salesman, and I hustled. I want to reward those salespeople that hustle. Right. You know, if they're out there greeting customers, to, and they greet 12 a day, and some other guy greets three a day. The first couple, they might prepare for. And then when they don't show up, then when you go, you know, God, why weren't you prepared? And they go, well, because they never actually show up. This is the first time it's ever happened. So I would typically shoot for a BDR selling at least one vehicle a day. Okay. 100 calls a day, 30 contacts, um, let's say 10 appointments, uh, five show, and then two would theoretically buy. Right. Uh, but if I could get one, get 22 cars out of a BDR rep each month, I felt like I was doing okay. And obviously, Ray, if I could get two cars a day out of every BDC rep and hit 44 cars per rep, you know, that, that's my ultimate goal is 40 cars per rep. But you know, if I'm getting 20, 25 out of each rep, I, I consider that doing pretty decent. Absolutely. Even a goal. Yes. Right? Because, you know, they're, they're not going to do that from day one. Oh, yeah. So if I had three or four BDRs, I'm counting on, you know, 60, 80, 90 cars a month out of my BDC. Absolutely. And at two grand a pop, I mean, I'm looking at 160 grand gross profit. Yeah. And and what's the BDC going to cost you? I mean, I know, you know, we can't go strictly off payroll. We've got insurance costs and training costs and that kind of thing. Yeah. But and but that, you're still clearing. And that math gets a little bit difficult because, you know, I think some people who are not necessarily bought into the BDC model mm -hmm. will immediately come back with how many of those cars would I have sold anyway? Right. Right. Well, maybe half. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think that's where the numbers are, you know, you can... Is this a more effective tool, especially knowing that the average number of dealerships that a customer will visit in the car buying process is 1.2? Right. The fact that we got them to walk into our dealership 
you know, it, it's a it's a total dealership participation. It's not any one element that sold the cars, but but what you should see is if you start a BDC, you know what you're averaging on your sales per month, right? I mean, I worked when I worked with the, a dealer as a manager, we went from averaging 180 cars a month mm-hmm. to averaging, after we'd implemented all the processes that I brought, 220 mm-hmm. to 230. Well, and I've heard people propose that this shouldn't be considered part of your sales payroll. This should be considered marketing money or at least 50-50. Right. You know, that you can reduce some of your advertising costs. Maybe, you know, you, you know per- personally that we have a lot of dealers that have third-party vendors. They don't even realize they still pay each month. Right. You know, because they're not using, they haven't used that stuff since three weeks after they started buying it. Yeah. So, I mean, go through your marketing money and see if you can cut a little bit there. Right. That was one of the first things I did when I went to work for that dealership was go through and look at everything we were paying for. Marketing. And, yeah. More, yeah. Well, you know, lead providers. Lead providers. Yeah. I mean, Which, was, I mean, I would consider that marketing. Was the highest level of money out for no return. And yeah. it was just, it became that monthly bill that the our, our controller was just sending that check every month because yeah, they were somebody we contracted <laughs> with yeah. and nobody was bothering to see, you know, were we actually getting anything out of them? And they didn't even bother to send the rep out. And you had to sold a car off car gurus in right. eight months. Uh, you know, and, and in some cases it was that we, the dealership wasn't <laughs> using it effectively because then you go to cancel and then they finally send a rep out and they go, well, gosh, you know, you're not even... You know, taking advantage of this yeah. thing that we provide well, or some other thing. So it's just if we leave that, that in there, let me say, I have nothing against car gurus. Right. I just pulled them out of thin air yeah. out of the yeah. 20 that I can think and, of. And, you know, kudos to them that they came to mind. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. But if you, I can't stress enough the fact that it needs to be a total dealership-wide initiative. It's not just a group of people that you, you know, kick once in a while and say, get back in your corner. Well, so you, that guy that you brought up at the first of this episode was right. A business development dealership, right? right absolutely. You know, I shouldn't have uh, I shouldn't have bashed him like I did. He didn't last there, but I think by... I, he was there one more visit, and I didn't see him at all. And by the next time I was at that dealership, uh, they, they had promoted him to a customer. Well, he had moved on to greener pastures. Yeah, finally, you know, we found yeah. a dealership. And, hey, yeah, if somebody can make a dealership-wide initiative and not need a BDC and make it work and be as effective as a BDC would... Well, you'd like to know how. Absolutely. Because that would yeah. educate you. They need to start a podcast. Right. <laughs> We've come to the end of yet another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. We're so glad to have recorded this and put it out there in the ether. Yep. We are very appreciative of everybody who listens. Uh, if you got offended, sorry. <laughs> we all have areas we can grow from, and, and uh, hopefully this was uh, informative and got you thinking a little bit, uh, maybe even outside your comfort zone. But we do appreciate you listening very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.